Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I don't know where the line is for anybody, but you don't want to cross it. Because what God is saying is this. Look, I've tried. I've given you the gospel message. I've spoken to your heart. My spirit has asked you to become a believer. Get yourself saved. I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. But man keeps saying what? No, 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 no. And there comes a point when a man and woman's heart gets so hard, God finally says, have it your way. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I've been very patient with you. If you've ever had the misfortune of raising a wayward child, You know the frustration of second, third, and fourth chances gone to waste. For many parents, this is what drives them to their knees, asking God for wisdom and patience. Pastor Mark will be teaching about God's similar view of mankind. You'll learn that God's patience, while being infinite in scope, will be tempered by his sense of justice. You'll find out about that justice being expressed during the Great Tribulation. Mankind's following the Antichrist will compel God to say, enough, and then the end will come. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now here's Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he begins his message, The Second Coming of Christ and Armageddon. We're still in the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, so it's not hard to find, but it's good that you watch it as we go through the scriptures. We'll be in chapter 19, almost the whole service, so I just encourage you to get that Bible. Now, you know, in the Bible, there's lots of different prayers that are known, and it's easy to understand them. The most famous prayer probably in the Bible starts like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now fill in the blank there. What comes next? Yeah, it's your kingdom come. And then it finishes, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Say it with me. Jesus, your kingdom come. Come on. Jesus, your kingdom come. Anybody waiting for that? I'm waiting for that for sure. Well, in chapter 19 that we're going to go through, you'll see the answer to this prayer. Finally, the kingdom of God takes over the world. Now, sometimes when you study the book of Revelation, and many of you, of course, we're doing a helicopter kind of view, not doing every single chapter. We'd be here a couple years while I'm doing all that. But this is the only book in the Bible in Revelation that says, if you'll read this book and study this book, you will be blessed. And that's what God's doing to us. But I have this for you to show you the purpose of the amazing book. Revelation 1.1, the revelation, this is chapter 1, of Jesus Christ. That word revelation is the Greek word 
apocalypse. You've heard that before, movies and so forth. But here's what it means. Revelation, to reveal or to uncover. Things that we didn't know, things that we couldn't tell, it reveals it to us. The book of Revelation basically reveals Jesus in all his glory. It reveals, as we'll go through today, Satan's final defeat. The book of Revelation reveals Jesus as the triumphant coming king. You'll see that. And here's the big one for us. The book of Revelation reveals the future and our future. Now, our series started in First and Second Thessalonians. And because there was so many allusions to the book of Revelation, we went over there. We'll go back and just finish chapter three. But this is the title of our series. Live here now on the earth while we're here and then live there forever. Well, the Bible tells us how to live here now, become a Christian, how to do this, how to do that, how to do this, how to raise their families, do all those things. And then mostly Revelation, but others, it talks about How in the world are we going to make sure that we can live there in heaven? And that's where our destination wants to be. Now, there's one thing I want to share this with you. Look at Revelation 19.10. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The main purpose of prophecy is to testify Jesus Christ and bring honor to him. So that's what it's all about. We learned the importance of truth. We don't have a lot of truth left in our world, in our country. People lie. They're deceptive. Of course, that's because Satan's ruling the world. And we learned that God is truth. Jesus is truth. The Holy Spirit is truth. And the Bible is truth. Now, you're going to see that one day Christ will return to earth as judge. And he will right every single wrong that has happened in our world. And the second coming of Jesus is what kind of gets us excited about that. When you think about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus came the first time, you remember, he came to Joseph and Mary and an angel or two knew, a few people in town knew. Eventually, some of his disciples knew. But his second coming, and of course, his first coming was talked about in the Old Testament, that he was going to be coming. But the second is very different, the second coming of Jesus. Take a look at what Bible scholars have discovered. Bible scholars tell us that there are 1,845 verses in the Old Testament and New Testament that refer to the second coming of Jesus. Now, think about that. That means that's really important. Look how many verses are related to that. Now, here's something else. When you see all of this, Jesus himself in the New Testament, he spoke about his coming back to this earth 21 times. That gets me excited because he knew he was coming back. There's truth again. Prophecy is truth in the Bible. Here's an Old Testament example. Remember when we did the book of Daniel in the Old Testament? Look at this example. Daniel 7, 13, 14. Daniel's vision. As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man. Jesus used that term for himself. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, sovereignty over all the nations of the world. So that the people of every race... And every nation and language would obey him. 
So even in the Old Testament, this was a picture of the coming of Jesus, and he would take over the earth, the rule of that. Let's read this last line together. Here we go. All of our campuses. His rule is eternal. Aren't you glad his rule isn't for four years and we got to vote again? Thank you, Jesus. His rule is eternal. Here we go. Come on. It will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. Wow. Wow. Are you glad about the future? Amazing. Amazing. Look at the kingdoms that fall and fall and fall and fall and fall since time. This kingdom will never, ever, ever be destroyed. Now, in Revelation, you're going to see the promise that God made in his word, Old Testament and New Testament. So let's turn to chapter 19, verse 1. After this, remember John the Baptist has this vision. He's on the island of Patmos. I heard what sounded like the roar of a great multitude in heaven, shouting, hallelujah, salvation and glory and power to our God. Now notice, after this, what is John talking about? We didn't do, just because we're doing kind of a helicopter view, chapter 17 and 18, but I'm going to summarize it for you. In chapter 17 and 18, it tells us about God judging and destroying the great Babylon, which was kind of a political thing and also a financial world view. And that evil system for Babylon was ruled by the Antichrist. Remember, he's against God. And Babylon represented basically what man can do with nothing at all of God. Not interested in God. I'll do my life. I'll do my thing. I'll do this and that and the other. And thus was, without God, the source of all religious deception and confusion came through this Babylon. Why? Because the Antichrist ruled it, and he is a deceiving, lying person. Now, when... These people, in actually 19, there's four hallelujah choruses. And by the way, look what it says. Look back at verse 1. I heard what was sounded like the roar of a great multitude. Who, who is that great multitude? Well, we're going to have a great altar call at the end of this service. <laughs> who is the people that are heaven are saying Hallelujah. If you're a Christian, raise your hand. Good. All right. If somebody didn't raise your hand, get them to stand up at the altar call for you. Because we're in heaven and we're doing what? We're shouting hallelujah. There's four actually hymns right here in this. And basically the first one is basically the destruction of Babylon. Yay. It's done. It's finished. The evil rule of the Antichrist is done. The other one is anticipation. They know that Jesus is about ready to come back to the earth. So they're singing hallelujah, hallelujah. Now the word hallelujah to us really means praise the Lord. And here's the truth. You and I will be there proclaiming the goodness of God. Now, if we're going to be there, we might as well practice. Am I right? Yeah, we might as well practice. So uh, here's what I want to do through the whole teaching. I'm going to take you to many places in Israel where Jesus comes back to. And I want you to put yourself in the picture when we get there. We'll be at the, the Armageddon. We'll be on the Temple Mount. We'll be all over the Bible. So just put yourself right now. Let's just, whoop, who knows how long it'll be. We're in heaven. So what did this first group do? 
They said it real quietly. Did they? What's the word? They shouted. Let's try hallelujah. Come on. Good job. Way to go. I even heard that from Vieira. That's amazing. Sebastian, come on. Try it again. Here we go. Everybody, one more time. Hallelujah. Good. And how do we say it often? Praise the Lord. Amen. That's all I've studied. Have a nice day. That would be good in itself, wouldn't it? See, we're going to learn to do that, and it's going to be fantastic as we go through that. Now, look at verse 11, all the way down to verse 11. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, whose rider, Jesus, is called Faithful and True. With justice, he judges and makes war. So you can see what's coming when Jesus comes back. He's going to judge and there's going to be a war. Now, you have to understand where we are in this timeline of end times. Remember, Revelation, we know what's coming. We're not guessing. If we didn't have the book of Revelation, we wouldn't have a clue what's coming. Even if we didn't have the Bible, you wouldn't know anything about Jesus. You wouldn't know anything, but we have the word. So Revelation tells us what's coming. Now, let's take a look at where we've been. Here's the timeline. The present church age is when Jesus uh, went to the cross and he established his church that would never be defeated. And then he gave the Holy Spirit to replace him. And the church in the upper room were filled with the Spirit. And that began the church age. That's where we are today. We're still in the church age. Then the next thing we discovered, there's the rapture of the church. Let me just remind you what happens at the rapture of the church. At the rapture of the church... Jesus comes from heaven, but he doesn't come to the earth. He comes in the air. See, there's a difference between the rapture and the second coming. He comes in the air. And when he comes in the air, there's a trump that sounds. And what happens next? Every Christian goes what? And where do we go? In heaven. So we can say what? Hallelujah. You got it. Now, who goes before us? People that are Christians, my mom, my dad, my brother, have already passed away. They're absent from the body, present with the Lord, but their old body is down here. And it joins them. They get to go first. Remember we told you why they go first before us? Because they're six feet under. Now, when that happens, they go and we're going to join them as family. Can I hear an amen right there? We're going to see our loved one. So that's the rapture. After that happens, what starts? The tribulation. The seven years of the Antichrist ruling. He is revealed. The Antichrist is a human who is empowered by Satan himself. And we have the unholy trinity starting there. And then all of these things, first three and a half years are kind of good. By the way, this has not happened yet. It will happen. And then he kind of, the Antichrist allows the Jewish people to rebuild their temple, which they've never been able to do since 70 AD. And they build it. And they're excited. Wow, this guy is fantastic. And this is our Jesus. Remember, Antichrist against Christ take his place. The problem is the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could do. And here's what he says to the world. I'm God. You will worship me. Well, the Bible says you can't have any other gods before us. 
So he's going to have problems. And the Jewish people go, whoops. We missed Jesus the first time. We've been deceived this time. Now, when that continues, at the end of the tribulation, the last three and a half years are very difficult because of all of that. And we've talked about it. We'll see it today. God's wrath coming on the... Now, remember, when we talked about God's wrath, it sounds strange versus God's love. I don't have time to go through it today, but remember, he loves us and he keeps us saying, please come to me. Please believe in Jesus. Please do this. Now, here's what you need to understand. There's a place when God says, enough is enough. In Genesis, it tells us there'll come a day when God's spirit will no longer deal with sinful man. Now, you wouldn't ever want to cross that line. I don't know where the line is for anybody, but you don't want to cross it. Because what God is saying is this. Look, I've tried. I've given you the gospel message. I've spoken to your heart. My spirit has asked you to become a believer. Get yourself saved. I want to spend eternity with you in heaven. But man keeps saying what? No, 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 no. And there comes a point when a man and woman's heart gets so hard, God finally says, have it your way. I'm not dealing with you anymore. I've been very patient with you. You say, well, that sounds terrible. No, that's a great God that keeps giving us over and over an opportunity. So what's going to happen in that tribulation? God's going to come back with his wrath during those seven years. Now, what's next? This is this return of Christ. Now, this is very different. He comes to the earth. And you're going to see who he comes with. He comes and his feet are actually going to be on the earth. And that's where the war will start. Many battles. That's exactly where it starts. Now, when he comes back there, it's very, very different. He promised to come back there. So here's what John sees. The heaven is open and Jesus is getting ready to come back. And he begins to then tell us in the rest of this, all the different things that are going to be. Now, remember what he said in that verse. He said, Jesus was faithful and what? True, faithful and true. Well, that should sound familiar to you. That's what the nature of God is, faithful and true. Aren't you glad God's been faithful to you and me? Wow, think about that. Now, the Antichrist is the opposite. He's unfaithful and he's false. And that's why Jesus is coming back. Because the world has been in rebellion against God. We see heaven open and there's a rider on the horse. Who is that rider? It's Jesus. Just as promised. Now look at verse 12. His eyes are like blazing fire. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. What John is talking about, Jesus' fiery eyes symbolize one thing. Jesus sees everything. There's nothing hidden. No thoughts, no secrets that Jesus doesn't know. Now, that applies to us today. You know, sometimes we'll say, well, I don't think my wife will ever know about this. No problem. Or my husband won't know or my boss won't know at work. You might fool them. You're not going to fool anything with God. He's all-knowing. Jesus is all-seeing, all-knowing, and therefore he has all the information necessary to judge properly. Wouldn't you like in our court system today, if Jesus was on the stand. Think of all the lawyers that pay big bucks to lie about what happened. And what do we do? 
Okay, you killed 48 people. You're free. Have a nice day. Our world is ridiculous. Why? Because who's leading it? The liar, the deceiver. But when Jesus comes back, he'll be faithful and true. And his eyes know the heart of every single person. You can't put anything. I can't put anything over God. He understands this. Now, the crowns indicate something. His magnificent rule that's coming when he establishes the kingdom and his sovereignty. He knows absolutely everything. Now, when you think of those crowns on his head, when Jesus came the first time, is very different. Here's the two Jesuses. What is the lamb? What does he have on his head? The crown of thorns. That's his what? First coming. He was a lamb. John the Baptist said it like this when he met his cousin. The lamb that takes away the sin of the whole world. He's not coming that way a second time. He's coming like a lion. You see, when you see that picture, you can see heaven open. And here he comes as a warrior on a white horse, which symbolizes victory. The first time he came, he came as a lamb. The second time he's coming, he's coming to execute judgment of people who continued all through the seven years. Not interested, not interested, not interested, not interested. Now, you know this, but I think it's encouraging to see it again. Jesus' first coming brought humankind forgiveness, if they would accept it. His second coming will bring judgment to those who continually refuse to even be interested in anything about Jesus. See, the righteousness of God demands that ultimately evil must be judged and defeated. I was thinking about people that just say, not interested, not interested. I got up early this morning, a little before seven, actually about six, had a little breakfast, then I walked outside. Sun really hadn't come up much, and I see all these clouds, and I'm going, man, I'm ready to go right now. But then I started walking through the neighborhood. And there was nobody really up. And I saw a house here. And I know the people, lovely people in our neighborhood, just great people, do anything for you. Not interested. Two houses down. Not interested. Not interested. Not interested. Not interested. You exactly know what I'm talking about. That's not condemnation breaks my heart. We've invited them. Sometimes they came to church, never came back again. Well, I can't change it, but God can change it. But he's coming back to settle to people that say, not interested. I'm not interested in God. And we have to be alert to that and pray for our neighbors. As I walked, I thought, wow, really? They don't know. They don't get it. You know, most of the world, the things I'm talking about right now, they're clueless. That's why we teach the Word of God. It's all truth. It's not me. It's God's Word that's here. Thanks for joining Pastor Mark today on Lessons for Living. If you'd like to hear more from this study, you can find additional teachings online now at calvaryccm.com. We know that this time in our world is uncertain, but one truth remains steadfast. God is in control. During this season, we encourage you to spend time in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of your Creator. 
As with many churches across our nation, Pastor Mark and the Calvary Chapel Melbourne community are holding church online. The church isn't the building, it's the people who, despite whatever obstacles are in their way, still worship Jesus and praise His name. We'd love for you to join us. Visit calvaryccm.com forward slash live or join us over on Facebook, YouTube, or Roku. We'll be having services on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. We look forward to worshiping with you in this way until we can be gathered together as the body once again. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we are constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying about for you? Let us know by visiting our contact page at calvaryccm.com. Would you do the same for us? Please keep Pastor Mark and our church staff in your prayers, along with our nation's leaders and those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying. That's all for today. Join us again for another edition of Lessons for Living. Hear your